Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, church, good to see you. Good to see each of you. We are, uh, this is week three of the series, Pray First. Uh, if you haven't got a book yet, uh, they're the blue books. Let me show it to you. They're the blue books out front. There's, they're out there now. They were not, they're, uh, they're not out here anymore. They're just mainly in the front. So if you want one, they're yours. Uh, take them, please. If you've got relatives or friends, if you want to get them one, that's fine. We've got plenty. But I want to make sure everyone has one. Pray First is the series. Uh, today, interesting today. Today is called Tabernacle Prayer. Um, Tabernacle prayer. I don't know that you know a lot about the tabernacle. Uh, tabernacle is found in Exodus. If you want to read a little bit about the tabernacle, Exodus 25 uh, through 27 is a, an account of that, and 35 through 40. And you don't have time to read all that this morning, but that's where you can go and kind of learn more about the tabernacle. I'm going to kind of give you the footnotes and a quick uh, little word on the tabernacle. But the tabernacle represented in the Old Testament the presence of walking into the tabernacle. You walked in to meet with God. That's what you did in the tabernacle. Now, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there are seven uh, steps or seven stations that you stopped at, each one, to get to what you've heard as the Holy of Holies. Okay? Now, we don't do that anymore physically. Okay, I think personally, we've lost something there. <laughs> I just do. Um, we on the grace side, we just kind of sometimes have hardly enter. And we don't even know why we've entered. And we're not ready to enter. And it's almost like us and our cup of coffee Entering, and we think God is just going, oh, my gosh, they're here. I am so proud of them. That's sweet. But, man, mm, we are in a war. We enter his presence to go to war. And I think you have to be careful how you enter the tabernacle and how you enter his presence. And I want to walk you through each of these steps, because they're beautiful, they're important. So what I want you to do, we don't have to go through these steps physically anymore to enter his presence. We know that. But I really believe in my heart, I really believe that we as a people need to learn to do these steps. Because if we're going to enter into his presence in a way that begins to move things, these seven steps have got to be taken. I really believe that. I think when we do it, we leverage power. When we do it, things move. And how many of you know that when you pray and things move, that's pretty cool? And when you pray and things don't move, that ain't cool. Amen. Let me, let me, my experience with prayer that never moves anything, you stop doing it. My experience with prayer that moves things, 
you can't wait to do it again. And I think it's time for the church to find out how to enter in a way and enter into a presence that moves things. How many of you in here, just in your own personal life, family, marriage, whatever, need things to move? You need some things to move? Let me show you how they moved them in the Old Testament. So here are the steps. I'm going to go quickly through them and talk about them and how they relate today. Number one, the first part of the tabernacle is called the outer courts. Basically, they would be the court as you entered in. If you, if you could kind of visually see that here, it's kind of the parking lot and the grounds around the tabernacle or, or, or the worship center, okay? The Israelites entered the tabernacle with thanksgiving and praise. And as we start our time, we need to start our prayer time the same way. See, the outer courts was a court where you came up worshiping, where you came up praising. How many of you have been to churches, and sometimes we do it here, we have outside speakers. When you park your car and turn it off and open a door and you enter into the campus of the church, you can hear worship. Hmm, that's good. To me, that's huge. Because you are staking claim the turf. You know when you arrive, man. You, are not, you know. And all the way up through the outer courts into the synagogue, into the tabernacle, there was worship and praise. How many of you know that as a spirit-filled believer, it's a spirit living in you, when you hear worship, you can't help but worship? It just starts coming. So what happens is you turn that car off, and sometimes it's ugly getting to church. Amen? Just flat ugly. I don't care how you get in the seat. Get us get in the seat. All right? Can't wait to get there. So you get out. He may not be in a good position, but open the door and hear the worship. And all of a sudden, realize where you're at and just begin to worship. As you enter a prayer time, enter the same way. Don't just come in going, God, I bet you're glad I'm here. Come in right. Come in worshiping. Come in in the spirit of worship. Come in with thanksgiving. You may not get past that. You just enter in, you just start worshiping, you start praising, you start, you start, start thanking him. Look at Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name. That's how you enter into the courts. That's how you enter into the courts. You enter with thanksgiving. You enter his courts with praise. The second is a bronze and altar. The bronze and altar, or we know it as the cross of Jesus, okay? In the Old Testament, everyone had to regularly bring an animal sacrifice as payments for their sin. Today, we don't do that because Jesus paid our sins once and for all by the blood on the cross. See, we don't enter in with an, with, they would bring an animal or sacrifice for their sins. Jesus took our place. He became the spotless lamb. He covered us, and we enter now in his blood, not by taking an animal in there with us, okay? I want you to go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, 103, verse 2. 103, verse 2, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
who forgives all of our sins, heals all of our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit, who crowns us with love and compassion, who satisfy your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, forget not, church, his benefits. Forget not. He did that. He bore, he took our place. He, he bore our sins on a cross. He, his blood cleanses us, washes us, makes us holy. As we enter into his presence, we come because we can come in because we're covered. We're covered by him. We're covered. The cross provides five major benefits. Let me run through them real fast for you. Five major benefits at the cross. Number one, salvation. God forgives all my sins. God forgives all my sins. Healing. Yes, sir. God heals all my diseases. Anxiety, depression, insomnia. There's a lot of junk out there that is weighting down people. The world says, here's a pill. Jesus says, here's my blood. Big difference. And I'm not saying if you're in here today and you're on appeal for any of this, that you're bad and you're weak and you're not what you need to be. I'm just telling you, have you explored another option? Have you decided that he is who he says he is? That when he went to the cross, when he died on the cross, he went there to restore you, to make you whole, to make man and woman whole again. He says, by my stripes, you are healed, healed. That's, (laughs) I don't know how to say it enough, but the, the world is fascinated. I mean, you cannot do anything in life that they don't make a pill for today. They just throw pills at everything. And the reason you don't want, the reason the world's not gonna tell you anything different than what they tell you is because it is a billion upon billion upon billion billion dollar industry and if mammon is your god you're not going to cut the peel off but see mammon's not our god god the almighty god the jesus that died on that cross for all our diseases there's nothing wrong with peels for a certain amount of time but i'm telling you right now Jesus never intended you as his kids, his children, to be on pills from the day you come out of the, cr- the cradle to the day you go in the grave. He wants you dependent on something, and that's him. That's him. They're very addicting as well, and he only wants you addicted to him. Healing. God heals all my diseases. Third thing is redemption. God rescues me and restores me. He rescues me and restores me. Listen, there's a lot of people who are under addiction of things. He wants to break the chains of addiction. He wants you addicted, as I said. He wants you addicted to his presence and to the Holy Spirit of God. That's what he wants you addicted to. And he will saw off and sever and cut off any addiction in your life. Number four, transformation. Transformation happens. God changes me into his likeness. When they come out of the water, we say you're raised to walk a new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says the old is gone, the new has come. That might be, you may go by the same name, you may eat the same way, dress the same way, you may like the same things, but dude, you're a different person after Christ. 
a different person after Christ. And five is blessing. God provides everything I need. You now know where your fountain is. He is it. See, when we take communion, those are the benefits of communion. Those right there, you see salvation, healing, redemption, transformation, and blessing all in communion. It's been referred to as the meal that heals. It can. It can heal your diseases. It can heal your, your, your addictions. I mean, it is, it is gorgeous and not used enough. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember all of them. 103 will tell you all the things you need to remember. There's more to the remembering than just the cross. He says, I died for everything to make you whole and complete, new. The bronze and altar was that second level, okay? Third, the laver. Next step in the tabernacle was a bow of water. It's for cleansing and preparing. They would walk in in the courts. Then they would come to the altar, okay, with the sacrifice of Emmanuel. Then they would come to a bowl of water. They would cleanse themselves, hands, face, everything. They would cleanse themselves, okay? Checking our hearts and motives and surrendering our lives to God is an important part of daily prayer. When we come in, we want to come into his presence and we want to make sure that we're where we need to be before we enter into that presence of God. We don't want to just walk in like we just walked into a football game, okay? We walk in, we go through the outer courts, we go make that sacrifice. God, God has been our sacrifice. We spend time right there. Then we move to another level. And the other level is a cleansing. God, I am unworthy to be in your presence. Forgive me, Father. I said this. I did this. I, 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 I did this. I participated in this. Whatever it is. You got to get that right. We, we in America, in the American church, we don't confess nothing anymore. Right. Nothing. Right. We just tell God to live with it. We come in too cocky and too arrogant to the presence of God. We're not humble and we're not broken and we're not surrendered. And everything we pray after that attitude that comes in never hits more than a roof. We never move anything. Never. Because we don't come in right. Romans 12.1 says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, mm, if we understood that, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Watch this. This is your spiritual act of worship. That is your spiritual act of worship. You say, well, I'm, I'm coming to church and I'm going to worship. No, how you come into church is worship. It's your spiritual act of worship. When I enter into my prayer time, my prayer closet, my prayer room, I, I, I want to come in and I want to I know where I'm coming to, who I'm coming to, okay? We don't go through all the stuff anymore. I know that. Jesus said he came and tore the cloth. He tore the curtain. We have access all right, to him. We don't go to a priest anymore. We don't need a priest. We have a high priest his name is Jesus but we've got to understand who we enter into his presence and we got to make sure that we are right when we enter into his presence I mean I, I I know people and when they talk about their prayer life I ask them when you come into your prayer life in your closet into that time with you and God how is your confession time well, well pastor I'm not 
there to confess. I'm there to pray for things. <laughs> I realize that. But if they're ever going to move, you've got to move. If you're not moving, they're not moving. It's just a religious activity unless we move. You know what happens if you just do religious activity, don't you? Sometimes you get tired and quit, and sometimes you show off. Both are bad. Don't make prayer a religious activity. Make it a communion with the Father. Come right. How we enter is a big deal. How we enter is a big deal. The fourth step that we come to in this tabernacle is a candlestick. The candlestick represents the Holy Spirit. The next piece of the tabernacle was a seven-branch golden candlestick. The fire represented the Holy Spirit. Realize for me, please, what step the Holy Spirit came after confession. Order is important, friends. Order is very important. We want the Holy Spirit to do supernatural things in our lives and in our families, but we don't confess who we are and where we are. We're not honest about where we are before we call on and ask for the Holy Spirit to work on our behalf. I think we have to check ourselves first and make sure that we're where we need to be before we call on the power the changing supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 1, I mean, Isaiah 11, 2 says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Prophetic word announcing who he was. John 16, 7 says, I have to go away, Jesus says, because if I don't go away, the helper, the counselor will not come. We have the greatest counselor money can buy in Jesus, the greatest. Nobody, nobody counsels like the Holy Spirit. Nobody can counsel like the Holy Spirit. I, I, I would like to tell you that I'm a pretty good counselor. But I pale in comparison to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. I pale in that. My philosophy in counseling is simply this. If I see you more than three times, I haven't done my job. Because in three times to see you, my whole framework of counseling from day one, from the start, is to push you from me to the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm trying to do. You say, well, you don't like us? I love you. I love you so much, I want to push you to the truth. Okay? I don't want you dependent upon me. I'm not going to be your high priest. You have one. I'm not going to be your counselor. You have the greatest one. And I'm not going to substitute me for him. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the greatest counselor you could ever, ever, ever go see. But you have to understand there are steps to entering in and hearing the Holy Spirit. 
And many people get stuck at the one right before the Holy Spirit, and that is they will not get honest and confess. John 16, 12 says this, the Holy Spirit, I have much to say to you. Isn't that awesome? You don't even have to pay an hourly rate to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit says, I'm free to my kids. You come in my presence. I have much to say to you. If we will enter in, confess where we are, get honest about who we are and where we are, and ask the Holy Spirit to speak, I'm just telling you right now, he can't wait. He can't wait. And then here's what happens to you, church. Acts 1.8, and you, the church, corporate little, because we are the church, amen, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. See, you'll get up from that counseling session in power. Why? Because you've met with power. You know what happens to someone when they meet with power? They become power. And then you could go out there and do that which he said you to, you to, for you to do. You can make those changes. You can stop what you're doing. You can change. Why? Because you're going to try harder? No, not because you're going to try harder. Because you're going to make good promises this time? No. Because you're not going to break your word? You can, no. There's nothing about you that's good. You're filthy rags. He's all the good you got. The Holy Spirit will give power to you. You have power from within to do the things that he wants you to do. Not keep doing the things that you said you're not going to do. Paul said, I can't stop doing them. People have got to understand. There's a beautiful diagram of the tabernacle. And I, I truly believe we miss a little bit of it when we don't understand the steps in the, in the layers of the tabernacle. If we could go back there as a people, and though we don't have to anymore go through them, if we could mentally and really almost physically do these, we'll enter into a prayer time that we've never ever, man, we've never been there like this. It'll, it'll rock your world, I guarantee you. Number five, number five, the table of showbread. The table of showbread. It is the word of God. In the tabernacle, there was a table with 12 loaves of bread rep representing the importance of reading God's word for daily substance. He, last week, we talked about it. He is our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Are you daily having bread? You've got to daily have bread. I've met with two men this week in total different settings, and each one of them, each one of them said, how do I begin reading the word consistently? Where do you start? If you were going to start, Pastor, where do you start reading the word? Because I absolutely am starving to death, but I want to lead my family, but I can't lead my family because I'm malnourished. Uh, excuse me, confessional? <laughs> That's beautiful. If you have not begun to read your Bible on a daily basis, may I direct your attention to the Gospel of John. 
It is the book that's going to tell you about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and those are the, really the only things you need to worry about. The rest will take care of itself. If you'll begin in John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us right off the bat. You'll know what you're eating. That show bread, that loaf of bread, your daily bread, that'll be you. And it's going to walk you all the way through that gospel, 21 or two chapters in it, okay? You're going to see the woman at the well in four. You're going to see Nicodemus in three. Okay, you're going to start learning about the Holy Spirit all the way through it. Jesus is going to tell you who he is, why the Holy Spirit came. In 16, 15, you're going to understand what? That he's a Brian, you're the branches apart from me and do nothing. Great reminders. Great reminder. Start in John. Get your daily bread. He said, Pastor, this is a prayer series. What, what, why are you talking about the word? Make word part of prayer. Please, next week we'll talk about praying God's word. How are you going to pray something you don't know? That's a great question, preacher. I I thought it was a good question. How are you going to pray something you don't know? Joshua 1.8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then watch this. You will be prosperous and successful. Oh, I'm going to have a lot of money if I read the Bible. Yeah, 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 you're great and different God does. God doesn't. That's not him. His reign falls from heaven. So many different places. Lands on so many different people in so many different ways. And he makes things grow that money can't grow. Get under that fountain. Don't look for a handout. Don't go there thinking I do the dog and pony show and then I get this from God. Mm. Yeah, you should probably just watch Sports Center. I'm, I'm saying, I mean, that's, we grow up that way and it's wrong. And we've we got to understand, showbread, get in that word, get in the word. John, 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 if you're looking for the book. Number six, the altar of incense, the altar of incense. There's a small altar of burning incense that stood at the entrance of the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelled. The the altar represented worship and the pleasure it gives God when we worship him. I want you to hear that. When we worship him, we're not here we, we, have, we have coned worship into songs that we sing. We don't just sing worship to be singing worship. We sing worship to him. That's who we sing it to. See, if you've had a boy or boys, there is an aroma in their room. If you spend any time in locker rooms, there is an aroma You know locker rooms are bad when coaches don't like the smell in locker rooms. They grew up in them. Amen. There are times as you raise teenagers and they have their friends over that there are aromas that go throughout the house because they eat too much. All right. What I'm saying is there is leftover smells and aromas in worship. Have you ever walked into a place 
And immediately right after you cross the threshold, go, mm, there's a presence in here. There's a presence. It's been said at this place many, many times. Many times. Is there a place in your house? Is there a place? Maybe for you, there's not a place in your house. Maybe it's a vehicle. Maybe it's somewhere at your office. Maybe it's somewhere else. But I'm telling you, there is leftover aroma of worship. Is there? Because I need you to understand something. The altar of incense precedes the Holy of Holies. You have walked through all those different steps of entering in his presence. Now you enter into worship. The incense of worship, the aroma of worship. From that step, the next step is what they call the holy of holies. It is called intercession or where you intercede on someone's behalf. I call it the stage in which things move. When you get to that point in your prayer life, you walk into this prayer life in this part right here, you begin to move things. If you had a grandmother who used to sit in a particular room and she had her Bible on her lap and she would spend her time in prayer, you needed something, you would say, Grandma, I need you to pray for that. Because you knew Grandma got to there. I'm telling you right now, folks, I'm not sure where you are in your level of prayer. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, where he wants you to be is in the holy of holies. He wants you interceding. So what do you intercede for? Well, if you're a husband, you intercede for your wife and your kids. If you're a wife, you intercede for your husband and your kids. You intercede for your home. You intercede for each room in that home. You intercede for the, for the environment over your home. You intercede for your kids' friendships. You intercede for their mates and the future spouses that they will have. You intercede for your church. You intercede for people that you know. You intercede for your government. You intercede for your world. You intercede for the kingdom. You start moving things. You walk into places and you see people and God directs your attention to that couple or that person. And you intercede without knowing their name, that person. You can say, God, I pray for that guy has got that hat on right there. I just sent you saying something to me about him, and I want to pray for him. I don't even know what to pray, and I don't know his name, but I'm asking you, Father, that I, I, I'm asking you to, to move in the life of that man in that hat. That's called intercession. I love people of intercession. I like to be around people of intercession. Here's what I found in the church. There are certain people in the church that don't like people of intercession. It's kind of weird. You have to pray all the time. Every time around, they just start praying all the time. Like, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. I get tired of it. I always want to pray. Let me say something to you. Those same people, when something goes on in their life, you know who they want to call on? Those people that want to pray. Those people that want to pray. Why is it that you want to chase away that dog and then you want to call that dog when you want him there? If you don't want him in your yard, keep him out all the time. It would behoove most of us to hang out with people that want to pray all the time. Yeah. How about we do the book? Pray first. Yeah. Yeah. 
You would absolutely, your wife would fall on the floor if you utter these words to her. She says, honey, I don't know what to do. And you say, pray, baby. Let's pray. Clunk. Once you pick her up, maybe just lay down with her and pray down there. But you're going to absolutely floor her if you do prayer first. Hang out with people that like to pray, that push through the steps, through the levels of the tabernacle to get past the aroma of worship to the holy of holies. They're meeting with God. I mean, Moses said, I meet with God like a friend meets with a friend face to face. Well, I remember Moses saying, don't send us up from here unless your presence goes with us. And God said, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I know you by name. You've heard me say it a thousand times. He did not forget his name. Moses entered that time of the holy of holies. And God said, now I know your heart and I've got it where I want it. And I will do the very thing because you will exalt me now and not beat your chest and say, look at me. I've said before, it's not about whether you can trust God, it's whether God can trust you. When you enter in these steps, as you enter in the whole way in, each step is all about your heart. That's what you've got to see. Each step you enter, he's changing your heart and molding your heart to be in his presence because many of us arrive for prayer and our heart does not deserve to be in the presence of the Lord. It's not right. The motive of prayer is not good or nothing. Be a people that enter into his presence, get past the aroma of worship, enter into the tabernacle prayer or the, the holy of holies. And that, my friend, is the level and the place where things move. It's where they move, man. It's where they move. I want us to be a church corporately, and I want, to be, I want us to be a church, little church, that moves things, moves it. So when you walk out in that world out there, the aroma and the incense of worship goes with you. And as you enter in the prayer, you come in, and all of a sudden, man, you, man you're in his presence. It doesn't take you long because you have practiced it, practiced it. Okay. This is something that some of you are going to be uncomfortable with at first because you've not even thought about the different levels of prayer. I'm asking you to give heed to tabernacle prayer and to begin to exercise those steps. And before long, they will become second nature. It will become so natural to your DNA. It's, it's what you do. You'll get right into the presence of God just real quickly because, because in that time, he's grown you in prayer, grown you in prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand, church. <clears throat> As we enter this time of prayer, altar ministry time, if you're on the worship team or the ministry team, if y'all come back up, we always want to be a church that preaches the word, worships, and prays. It's all we want to do. Every, every time we meet, that we want to do those three things, Okay. 
What I'm asking you to do, God has spoken to you. Somewhere in these steps of tabernacle prayer, he landed. He landed. You saw yourself. This is me right here. This is my area. This is my area. This is where I'm at. This is my area. It'll be different for you husbands and wives. For some of you, you're on a journey of how to pray, okay? For some of you, you've been in the same spot of praying, same way every time for many, many, many years. You're ready for a little bit more. I'm asking you to start seeing those steps. Find where you're at. Go there and say, God, grow me in those areas. Grow me in these areas. If you're here, want to go there. But I want each of us to become a people who come all the way through the tabernacle on all steps to get to the holy holies. Because in the holy of holies, in the presence of almighty God, that's where things move. That's where things move. Let me pray over you. Father, you have spoken to your people on a subject that is dear to your heart. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. God, the tabernacle is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful model of prayer today. I pray that we as your church go back to the Old Testament, back to the disciplines, the instructions, the steps of prayer. And God, we begin to understand as we walk through these levels of prayer that we get to a point where we intercede, where we've come to you in the Holy of Holies and things begin to move. So God, right now as we worship, may things move. May things move as we enter that time of prayer. If we come for prayer, if we do prayer, if we receive prayer, that we would move right now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. That's Worship Church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.